Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 17th episode of Crime Over Wine, the only podcast with head-scratching true crime stories that are just better over a bottle of wine. I'm your host, Liam Collins, and this week, my guest co-host is a longtime friend, fellow New Yorker, and also another one of my high school prom dates. My guest co-host this week is Kira Breslin. Hello, Kira. How are you doing? Hello, honey. I'm good. How are you? It's so funny that you reference it. I We went to prom together because... One of the ones I listened to earlier was, was it Alex who also went to prom with you? I was like, oh, yeah, she got the jump on me, but uh, so happy to be here. <laughs> listen, we're doing, I'm doing my little prom rounds by the end of this podcast. I'm going to have every single one of my prom, my prom dates on there. Um, and I won't say how many, <laughs> I won't say how many there are. Um, but you know, I just got around, you know, I had a really fun time in, in, in high school. You know what I mean? As, As you should, do. literally. Right. Exactly. The glory days, the glory days when we all peaked. Right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, Kira and I first met back at Carmel High School in Carmel, New York. And Kira, I have to say, I was racking my brain to remember how we met. And then it, like, finally hit me, Kira. Do you remember? It just as being weird on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. We used to roach each other, like, exclusively on Twitter before we ever even met each other. Right. And right. then it just felt like we went to high school together. And then just, like, casually decided that we were just going to be, like, besties and school too and now look at us like uh, drinking wine like talking about crime together no i love that for us how a, i, th- I think i think we thought arc. we were so funny and we were probably just so <laughs> odd like i can't <laughs> i somebody on the internet is going to go back and find those tweets and just like oh, absolutely ruin our lives ruin our lives for sure uh, oh my gosh i probably shouldn't even say this but i definitely still have the same twitter account i've had that account for so long maybe it's time to change now that i'm thinking about it like get a new one i <laughs> think i have my little sunday night activity <laughs> So <laughs> great. <laughs> so, Kira, you know, I think we were just talking about this, you know, how excited we are to just like chit chat and like drink a glass of wine together because, like, obviously, like, wink, wink, non judge, like, we couldn't really do that in high school. Haha. Um, right. <laughs> so, like, um, why do we say we move on to this part? Sounds good. I am so thrilled. This bottle's been chilling all day. I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, this week we are drinking Conundrum's White Blend. It's a blend of Chardonnay, Sauvignon Blanc, Semillion, and Viognier. It brings the scents of apricot, pear, and honeysuckle, and notes of orange, lemon, meringue, and oak. So, what do we say? Crack this bad boy open. I can't wait. (laughs) Oh my gosh, me neither. I'm already going for it. Do it, yeah. I'm so excited. I love white wine, but I usually just get, like, a Pinot Grigio. I never get a white blend, so I'm excited. I'm I'm not even going to lie, Kira. I don't even really think I knew that white blends existed. Like, I mean, I'm right. sure, like, not that I didn't think that, like, they didn't exist, but I definitely didn't think that they did. You know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah. I have no idea. Yeah. It's such, like, a bizarre, like, experience. But I saw that and I was like, ooh, like, I did a red blend a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now I'm back on with white blends. And so, like, Stunning. we're just doing a whole blend. Yeah. We're just doing the whole thing. So, yeah. Cheers to you, Kira. Cheers, Thanks for honey. On. Thanks for having me. Ooh. Oh, that's like really delightful. It is very delightful. Wait, I'm like trying to like pick out the like remember what yeah. scents or flavors we're talking about here. Okay, orange lemon meringue. I definitely get orange lemon meringue for sure. But like yeah, I, I get the like citrus. That's, like, white wine one on one. Yeah, the citrusy flavors mm-hmm. are definitely there for sure. 
And I feel like if I had to, because I definitely get the Chard, like the like the oaky Chardonnay, mm-hmm. I definitely get that too. I'm trying to like pick out like what one type of wine like really sticks out here. Like so, I have Chardonnay, Sauvignon Blanc, Sommelier, and Viognier. What's what's your what's your guess? What do you what do you really taste? I want to say the Chardonnay because it's like a little buttery, like a little oaky. That's know? where I was going too. Yeah, I definitely I get that strong. Ooh, that strong like buttery Chardonnay. Mm-hmm. Um, flavors for sure and that's that's really where i'm yeah Yeah. that's what i'm really picking apart here for sure delicious i guess i love a white blend that's so good to know yeah (laughs) who knew who knew see the the things you learn on crime over wine Uh, right (laughs) thank goodness (laughs) yeah (laughs) we're only right at the beginning perfect (laughs) (laughs) right so kira what do you say like we move on to this story because i know we have you have a lot of thoughts i have a lot of thoughts let's go there let's do it so like i know you're so excited to talk about this Kira and I am too because this is one of the most perplexing situations that I've ever heard of before and I say situations like very ideally here instead of cases because there is technically no real investigation opened into this person who hasn't been seen by her closest friends and family in more than 15 years. This week I'm going to tell you the story of Shelley Miscavige, the Scientologist's wife. So to understand this story, Kira, we first need to go back to the beginnings of Scientology itself. Scientology was first founded by L. Ron Hubbard in 1953. Ron originally founded a belief system called Dianetics, which basically stemmed from his fascination with anxiety and nervous tensions and also a little bit of extraterrestrial activity. He even wrote a book on his belief system and what he was able to learn throughout his life about how people's psychology psychological state can affect their lives, lifestyles, and life choices. The book Dianetics, The Modern Science of Mental Health, is largely looked at as the iteration of Ron's mind. It's described as Ron's science fiction fantasies in a self-help book. It argues that the majority of human ailments, both physical and mental, are psychosomatic, almost meaning that someone's external issues are brought onto them by themselves. Kira, I'm hoping you can read the description of the book for us. These are the questions that Ron says you'll be able to answer and the problems you'll be able to solve using the foundations of Dianetics. Okay, absolutely. So why do we give up on our dreams? What is the real cause of depression? Is there a cure for stress? How do you reach your full potential? Why do we hurt the ones we love? Why are some people prone to illness? How can you improve your mental health? Can you conquer your fears? I mean, I think these seem like questions that most people would want to know the answer to. Yeah, (laughs) right. Well, and also, so like, this is the, so this is the third episode, right, that I've done that's kind of like culty, like adjacent kind of thing. And so I'm like, I think about like where all these things come from and I'm like, okay, like these are, like you said, like very normal problems. Right. And I'm like, these, like, I guess I see the draw, right? And it's like, okay, like if if you're, if your cult is saying like, yeah, you're going to be able to figure out like how to cure your stress and like figure out like how, like what the, like, um, you know, if you're going to be able to conquer your fears, mm-hmm. I'm going to be like, okay, like, sure. Like, sign yeah, me up. sounds then, good. Like, you, know, you don't really know. what. Yeah. Like, you don't know where you're getting yourself into. So, right. Like, it's like, it's so crazy. Like, the foundations that these people set up for themselves. Exactly. Exactly. Like you said, yeah, I, I can see 
how people would get drawn in. It's yeah scary so easy (laughs) yeah yeah so scary yeah so the philosophy uses some pretty bizarre methods to achieve its goals hubbard preaches this religion using unconventional scientific methods to prove its ideology they're known to use some experiments well most of which are proven to be incorrect and to be ripe with confirmation bias their goal is to prove that there are three sections of the mind the analytical mind uses rational decision making the reactive mind holds memories and the somatic minds use the other parts to take action obviously the brain is far much more complex than this but dianetics basically says that a painful experience can poison one part of the brain and therefore affect the other two and affect someone's decision making so that person should go through an auditing process that's what they call it which is where they can isolate the painful experience and clear those painful experiences from their mind i mean the use of the term auditing in terms of a person's brain definitely gives me pause Mm. um interesting you know it's it's such an oversimplification of how a person's brain works so yeah yeah and and you know what i'm thinking too just based on what we were just talking about too like you know when i think about also like these like culty kind of you know religion religio Mm -hmm. situations right um like a lot of these things that people are describing like are i feel like are like so targeting like the most um vulnerable people yes. you know what i mean yeah. like the people who like maybe had did have that like really traumatic experience growing up mm-hmm. and are have spent their entire lives trying to figure out how how can they audit it out of their brain? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so now they're like, here's somebody who may have the answers and then like, God knows what happens to you after that. Right. Exactly. It's like we were saying earlier, someone will see this and say, oh, that sounds great. <laughs> I would love to. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, I got some traumas. Yeah. You want to help me out, Ron? Right. <laughs> Right. <laughs> <laughs> so this was the basis of Ron's book, which parlays into the origins of Scientology. The book is referred to be as a book one of Scientology. Ron founded Scientology in 1953-1954, essentially transferring the foundation that he established throughout di- through Dianetics into a full-fledged religion. The religion preaches that humans are immortal beings with experiences that extend far beyond a lifetime. The church also connects their belief systems to some extraterrestrial life, too, like aliens. So one of the more uh, major tenets of the religion is that a human is no more than what they call a thetan, an immortal alien spiritual being that is trapped on Earth. The church teaches its members that their way of living can help them to achieve greater spiritual awareness. Interesting. You know, I feel like this is where it kind of takes a funky turn Mm. um funky alieny we're all aliens basically is what ron's saying and also to go back to like the first bit of what you said you said 1953 or 54 i don't know why i assumed scientology was so much older than that i don't know if you feel the same way (laughs) i kind of yeah that's a great point like yeah it's been around for like what like less than 100 years yeah that's a good point and i I guess it's more because like some of the beliefs are kind of like old so maybe that's kind of exactly yeah i agree with you well by the late 1960s the religion was really picking up steam and became this spiritual mecca of sorts for a range of high profile people everyone from politicians to athletes to actors. But in 1986, Ron died, leaving a massive power vacuum within the church, and a new leader took it over, one who many looking from the outside in would see as an extremely dangerous figure. 
David Miscavige took the reins as the leader of the Church of Scientology at the age of 26, but he had been a powerful figure within the religion much before that. At 21, he was reported to have led a massive purge of rogue church members, people who were thought to be beginning a silent revolt in questioning the church's practices. David really wanted to realign the church's priorities to focus on recruiting very high-profile members after he took it over, and he was pretty successful at it. Today, most well-known members are John Travolta, Ann Archer, Kirstie Alley, Tom Cruise, Katie Holmes, and also Leah Remini. David reportedly really leaned into these influential figures in order to raise the church's status, and he really depended on their name recognition, power, and money. Janet Reitman wrote for her book Inside Scientology that these celebrity figures are treated like the kings and queens of Scientology. By the 90s, the church's membership grew to about 8 million people, and he was the prime leader of them all. The Tampa Bay Times said it best back in 1998. They said he was to Scientologists as the Pope was to Catholics. Very interesting. I was going to ask, you know, these famous people that are infamously part of Scientology, like Kirstie Alley and Tom, Tom Cruise, you know, what what attracted them to it? I know you mentioned that, you know, they maybe support it financially, things like that, but I would be so curious as to know what kind of is in it for them. Yeah, that's a great point. I think that, you know, you know, because I thought about this too, and, you know, I look at these people and, you know, I think of like Kirstie Alley sticks out to me, which like we obviously like in 2023 kind of know like how, you know, the whole situation, how that all worked Mm -hmm. out. But like, I also like, I think about these people who like, you know, maybe because like, as like, this is going to sound so weird, but like, I, you know, you hear all the time about how like lonely it is to be famous. You know what I mean? And so Mm -hmm. like, I almost wonder if it like does feel a little bit better maybe to have like people kind of want you like this kind of influence, like influence and like, you know, community almost a little bit. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, like maybe it does like they must have appealed to something along those lines i feel right that's a good point i mean it's such a human universal human feeling to want to be part of something yeah i guess that's a good point yeah Yeah, i guess you know being rich and famous doesn't change that evidently yeah that's a good point and also too so like you know this tampa bay times quote like he is to scientologists as the pope is to catholics Mm -hmm. like that like when i read that i was like wait what because like literally i was like 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 listen i'm not like the best catholic in the world Mm -hmm. but like like the pope is like is like supposed to be like like the vessel of God, right, right to, the, to yeah. the church, right? So it's like, like, oh, like, like, is that, like, is that really how we're, like, looking at this? Like, it just, that just feels weird. So but. interesting. Another thing, too, is that I, you said there was like 8 million members of the church. Mm. That feels like a ton. Oh, so many people, right? I, don't know, like, I, I personally don't know how many members there are of different churches, but 8 million feels yeah. huge. Well, and like, that's like literally the size of, of like, um, of New York City. And I'm like, right. wait, yeah. well, also, too, so it's like m- needed to be mentioned to like Kirstie Alley is dead right and but like she mm-hmm. like from what I kind of gather from this like like I think she's still considered a member of the church so I almost wonder if maybe that is like you know including all these like all people who have died or you know oh, maybe yeah. have tried to leave the church that kind of thing so right yeah so it's like I don't like almost think of like like not to conflict the two at all but like um like mormonism like you like you don't go to church anymore but like your name is still on the rolls and stuff um mm, and that's so, interesting yeah. yeah so 
like that. I don't know, but I did. I did see that. I was like, wait a yeah. minute. Like you're de- like well, I don't know how many people are in like America, but like I would imagine that's probably like what like one in every like ten people like you know is a Scientologist. Like, mm. yeah, crazy. Yeah, crazy. I would have never guessed that. <laughs> yeah. So I literally would. I would guess a couple thousand. Like, I literally would have thought like yeah, five hundred thousand people maybe. Yeah, like something like that. Yeah. So the church had really laid its claim by this point and had opened branches across the country, most notably setting up shop in Southern California and Clearwater, Florida. But the local politicians and government leaders where Scientology had planted roots were really wary of some of the rumblings of what the church was rumored to be to take part in. Not only questionable experiments like we mentioned, but also reports of abuse and potential indentured servitude. And at this point, the church had achieved a tax-free status from the IRS, too. So some local mayors and law enforcement officials start to push back against the church, leading to some pretty public clashes. There were also these bizarre rumors, specifically in Clearwater, of a potential murder that took place on the church's compound. The alleged victim's name was Lisa McPherson, and there is, like, a whole lot to unwrap here. Like, it is its own podcast. We're not even going to go there. But basically, to sum it up, the woman was a Scientology member. And after a car accident, she was admitted for psychological evaluation, where her mental state declined significantly. A doctor who came to see her insisted 100% she needed to go to the hospital, but a Scientology leader supposedly refused. They eventually did take take her to a hospital almost an hour away, but she died before she even got there. The medical examiner originally reported that Lisa was a victim of negligent homicide, and a grand jury actually indicted the church on felony charges. But later, the medical examiner changed her cause of death from undetermined to an accident, and the charges against the church were dropped. Um, crazy. That is insane. That's such a sad story about this woman, Lisa. Yeah. It's interesting that, like, you talked about, like, you know, the mayors and things, like, clashing with the church. Like, you hear about that all the time, like, but murder and indentured servitude is a little more serious than just, you know, disagreeing with what a church has to say. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. And we're like, we're, we didn't even scratch the surface there. Right. You know, as you very much so are aware, but there are so many stories that I found about this that we're going to, that I'm going to tell you about Kira. Um, so like, you know, have your bottle handy and like also probably another bottle because you're probably going to need it. Oh, absolutely. I already refilled. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> good, good, good. Yeah. And it, yeah, it's just like, I don't really. It just feels weird. And, like, they deny this whole thing, right? Of course. Like, they deny, like, no, like, we try to get to a hospital right away. But it's also, like, okay, like, why don't you live within a, like, why don't you live within an hour of a hospital? Like, I have questions. So, yeah. A lot of questions. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Well, Kira, you know the saying, behind every strong man is a woman. And in this case, that woman is Shelly Miscavige. She's David's wife. The two got married in 1982. David was 22, Shelly was 21. But she wasn't a stranger to the church at all when she first met David. In fact, she grew up around it. Her mother was a well-known member of the church too, but not because she was the supreme leader or influential figure, but because she was one of the church's most well-known defectors. 
Mary Florence Barnett, or Flo, was a longtime Scientologist. She grew up around the religion and was a really active member. But as Ron neared the end of his life and it became clear that David was going to be the one to take over, Flo started resisting against the idea of David's leadership. She resigned from the church as this form of kind of silent protest against David, taking the reins of the church, and on her way out had apparently taken some confidential upper-level materials, and as I'm sure you can imagine, they didn't like that very much. On September 8th, 1985, Flo was found dead in Los Angeles from four gunshot wounds from what looked to be a rifle or at least some sort of long gun. There were three wounds to her chest. One was just a surface wound, the other traveled through a breast implant, and the third traveled through her left lung and fractured a rib. The last and fatal and fatal wound, though, was directly to her head. I mean, this is only getting crazier, Liam. I mean, I, I am anxious to find out how this ends because, as the previous story, it you know was ruled accidental and everyone moved on with their lives, which is just so suspicious on so many fronts. So. I'm yeah. scared to hear what else you have to say. <laughs> well, let's get there then, Kira. Let me just end your anxiety. So the medical examiner's office and police officers did call it an extremely unusual death, but did end up ruling it a suicide. But later on, detractors raised some concerns with David about Flo's suspicious death. Some of them later testified in a massive court proceeding against the church's practices that stemmed from a 1991 Time magazine investigation against the church that when they had asked David about Flo's death, he had supposedly said, quote, the bitch got what she deserved. I mean, if you're not even going to be subtle about it, that's insane mm. the bitch got what she deserved <laughs> like yeah you want like, not subtle at all if you I, I, I can't that's insane yeah and like right and so like here so and we go through like the whole like anatomy of this homicide like like through and through and i feel like we could probably do it again whole different podcast on like just mary of, in and of itself but i'm like right. okay suicide like so we're talking about a long gun and i think about like shooting myself like you know i i am literally l- like talking about this when um the at my um, episode and Ellen Greenberg came out, um, you know, just like episode nine just came out a couple weeks ago, um, as of this mm-hmm. recording. Um, and like she, so in that case, like she stabbed herself 20 times. Like you're telling me, so like one wound, like superficial, sure, okay, three right. wounds, you're telling me that she inflicted on herself, right? The logistics like, of it. <laughs> no, and with a and with a long like she's like she's an older like I don't want to say like you yeah know, she's I, I I'm thinking that she is um at this point I think so so she's 21 when this all happens um uh um Shelly meaning and then mm-hmm. so um assuming that you know Mary had to have been like 40 at least to make that make sense right. so I'm like there's no freaking way no. that someone. Like, a 40-year-old woman is going to be able to take this rifle, you know, shoot her some three times. You know, right. I mean? like, I just don't, I'm not buying that at all. No, I'm not buying it either, in the yeah. least. Man, and it's like, okay, like, how many people, like, have to, like, kind of, like, die around this church before we're like, hmm, like, maybe there's a bunch of murderers, like, just thought. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And for him to not even be, like, so hush-hush about it is just crazy. Yeah. 
Well, so to be clear, David denied ever saying that, that like bizarre quote, and called his mother-in-law's death a family tragedy. And that obviously did not deter Shelley's involvement in the church at all. She became a very active member and continued to be so after that. When David became Scientology's reigning leader, she became known as not only this like first lady figure in Scientology, smiling and always at David's side during public appearances, but she also became an influential member in her own right. She was David's top aide, seeing just about everything he was seeing, knowing just about everything he was knowing. Going through the 90s, the couple was like the Brad and Angelina of Scientology. They ran operations and also became chief fundraisers for the church. But as the 2000s rolled in, Shelley was reportedly becoming a bit suspicious of her husband, according to to former senior members of the church. But at the same time, she appeared to become really tired of being just like this trophy wife, more or less, a figure of the church with no real authority beyond what her husband had allowed of her. She had reportedly slowly taken some of that control back. She had apparently used her authority as top aide of the church to fill several job vacancies without her husband's permission. Interesting. I mean, it's sad to me that it it took her so long after what happened to her mother to become so suspicious yeah of what was going on that's so upsetting like the the hold that the church and her husband had on her you know yeah and you know my like other thought too here is so like i wonder like if david like told shelly like yeah like like you know like like what did, what did he really tell her about kind of how that about how her um how her mother really died you know what i mean like right did, like what was did she just think what everyone else thought about this whole situation that she killed herself or mm. like did, you know did she know a little bit more about the whole situation maybe that's what she was getting in on you know what i mean right that's so true maybe she didn't even know i mean we just got the details of what actually happened maybe she had no idea like you said or maybe she yeah. was behind it. Who knows? That it's oh, just crazy to twist. think about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Like none of this really makes any sort of sense. Like you know, what? I really feel like this is like one of those stories. I'm like, okay, like you can probably like look at this and really probably like twist it and turn it and like in whichever way you want to. And like, right. Like I feel like you can make make perfect sense in your mind. And like I'd be like, okay, you know, exactly, exactly. It's yeah, crazy. You just don't know. <laughs> But point being, you know, I think at this point, like, there's a little bit of, like, rebellion going on. Like, you know, go girl. I don't And, like, I also wonder, too, like, how much of, like, internally, like, was that just the way that, you know, women were looked upon? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, that that makes me wonder, too, like, or maybe it was just, like, more higher ups. Maybe it was just her because she was, like, the leader's wife. Right. You know, or or maybe it was just because he was this controlling, you know, jerk or, you know, so it Mm -hmm. really could have, I don't know, it just, it makes makes me think about like what like what goes on within the church and like what are the power dynamics what are the the gender roles you know right i mean that could have been such the norm or like you said it could have been yeah. just her who knows yeah that's a good point that's a good point yeah i mean you say who knows like we really we don't know we we'll probably will never know we'll never know like in there until no. we join scientology and we like take it down from the inside what do you say kira I mean, I support it. I am mad already at this whole story. I'm with it. Let's do it. Okay, let's do it. So in June of 2006, Shelly and David go on a short trip aboard the Free Winds, which is basically this cruise ship exclusively for Scientology members. And it's sort of this bizarre asset for the church. 
Kira, I'm hoping that you're able to read the description that the church gives of the boat on its website. Definitely. The Free Winds is a religious retreat that marks for Scientologists the pinnacle of their journey to total spiritual freedom. Its position at sea is designed to provide an aesthetic, distraction-free environment off the crossroads of everyday life. As a center of spiritual enlightenment, enlightenment, it is a place where lives are transformed. Kind of sounds fabulous, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. I mean, like crew, like cruise ship where lives are transformed. Like, pff, okay, like I'm right. Down. I'm with it. <laughs> it just gets weirder and weirder and weirder. Yes, like you know, as it goes down, because I'm like, oh, like you know, pinnacle of their journey to total spiritual. Oh, okay, like that's interesting. Like its position at sea is to provide an aesthetic, distraction-free environment. Okay, right. cool. cool. And then it's like that the center of spiritual enlightenment. Right. It's a place. Where <laughs> it's like I'm, vi- I'm envisioning like a carnival cruise ship where everyone's just yeah, like with the right. drink package at the pool like <laughs> yeah right so i like i i guess i'm wondering like what like i don't know like what goes on out there you know what i mean we're like you yeah know, what do you, and and what do you expect when you get on the boat like those are my questions that i have on that front right i would also be so curious to know how big it is like what what kind of ship are we talking oh, yeah. you know yeah, I mean, I think... So, actually, I've seen pictures of it. You want me to show you? Oh, yeah, that'd be awesome. Oh, I see. Yeah, it's like a small cruise ship. I'm seeing, like, you know, very normal cruise ship things. You know what I mean? Where it's like, there's, like, little, uh, like, mm-hmm. there's a little pool in the background. There are, like, these, like, right, you know, yeah. games. I'm like okay like what is going on here like what like why like why do you look like a normal cruise ship from the outside but on the inside you're this like place where your life is transformed like the only thing that i think right like what do you got going on yeah (laughs) right it's like okay these like this pool cannot be that cool you know what i mean it's like so like what's Mm -hmm. what's going on on the inside i need to know i i absolutely need to know so i do think again i go back to i think the only way that we're going to find out is um is if we join scientology so yeah i mean this kind of solidifies it yeah if anyone's (laughs) listening i am interested thank you yeah forget everything i've said so far (laughs) (laughs) honestly just like get rid of this episode yeah (laughs) so the free winds is kind of this like shadowy place though it's reportedly this place that scientologists use to go between national and international laws they go out onto this boat into international water so they can basically do like whatever they want and however they want without any clear jurisdiction on who may be able to hold them responsible for their actions. In 2011, as reported by CNN, a woman said she went aboard the boat for what she thought was a two-week vacation, but it turned out to be a 12-year-long trip of indentured servitude, where she served Scientologists for next to no pay. And children were apparently used as labor, too, but we'll get there toward the end of this episode. I mean, I just don't think there's enough white blends in the world to wrap your head around this yeah i like really want to know how that vacation turned into this like 12 year thing um like i just the boat had to have docked at some point and i guess i'm wondering like how nobody was like oh like like you've been here for a long time you know what i mean like right and like was no one looking for this woman you know like fred's family are like oh she left on a trip a decade ago where the heck is she you know like, yeah what yeah so yeah that's such a weird thing this is such a weird thing for me i don't even really know what to make of all that but like no. real lawsuit real thing that they're accusing so oh my goodness. yeah 
My goodness. When David and Shelley returned from their trip aboard the Free Winds, she was said to have visibly changed her mood and looked, quote, demurred. A former spokesperson for the church said that Shelley had apparently asked if her husband was still wearing his wedding ring. I mean, wedding ring aside, you know, what, like we're just saying, what goes down on this ship? You know, she comes yeah, back. Life she comes back. Yeah. She comes back with a new mood, new demeanor. Like, what happened? Yeah. Yeah. I want to know what happened on that boat, too. And, like, luckily she, apparently, luckily she was able to come off it to begin with because she could have been there for 12 years. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, again, like, clear, you know, change in demeanor, and, like, this is all kind of, like, rumory, like, secondhand stuff kind of thing, because, like, as you know, like, like, Shelly doesn't tell us anything about this. Right. And so, like, I am really, yeah, I just have a lot of questions for that. And also, too, it should be noted, it should be disclosed here, like, this former spokesperson for the church, like, has, like, like, has a book, like, railing against the church, like, he's, mm-hmm. like, a very vocal person, like, you know, railing against, like, the foundations of the church. So, like, I kind of take, like, a little bit of grain of salt here, but, like, that, right. like, you know, statement um, has, like, you know, really, you know, has been reported and shared enough, I guess, that I feel comfortable sharing it here. Um, right. So, th- that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. And I think another thing, too, like, we were talking about how she had kind of started to rebel a little bit. I wonder if, you know, ever since mentioning that woman who became an indentured servant, I wonder if she went on the ship and like kind of really started to see Scientology for what it really mm. was, you know? Yeah, that's possible. And I, maybe, yeah. you know what, cause, cause if they're talking about like, um, to like what my, what my, where my mind just went is like, okay, if this is supposed to be like some sort of like life changing, changing experience, like maybe like all these things about like her starting to question things, like maybe this was their way of like, you know, jamming it, like, like jamming it back into her. You know what I mean? Of like, mm-hmm. you know, going on this boat and like, you know, trying to like, you know, brainwash her, you know what I mean? And, right. You know, for lack yeah. of better words, you know, into going back into this and it clearly didn't work. Right. Maybe it worked too well. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah. 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 Or, I mean, or like you said, like maybe it really opened her eyes. Like, I mean, clearly these people don't really like have, um, you know, like realize like how bad of the things that they're doing. You know what I mean? So it's right. like, yeah. maybe that they're just like, yeah, like we'll just come along, like, you know, see like how great it is. But like, really, she sees us and it's like, what the heck? And it's like, also, weren't you here six years ago when I came on? Like, weren't you like, didn't I sit next to you at the pool? You know what I mean? Like, maybe. yeah, right. Like, <laughs> what's going on here? <laughs> just a few months later was the event of the century for Scientologists, and this, Kira, as you know, is where things really start to take a turn. All right, Kira, how is your conundrum going down? Is it everything you ever dreamed of? It really is. It is, like I said before, I love white wine. I think a crisp glass of white wine at the end of the day is maybe Mm -hmm. one of the most stunning things ever. And this one is so good. It's so refreshing. It's so smooth. Yeah. It's uh, you've opened my eyes. I'm going to have to try, you know, more <laughs> white blends I've never had that I remember. You know, and I think you know, uh, the more I drink it, the more I'm like, um, you know, focusing really in on those flavors. Like I've said on this podcast so many times, it's like you know, I really am starting to take that taste that oak. Mm-hmm. I'm really starting to taste, you know, like you said, like it's getting smoother as the, as I go down. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that that's really interesting. And yeah, I I didn't really um, you know, talk about about you know the you know smooth versus tanniny like the smoothness of this mm-hmm. is you know is on point like it almost because um episode nine we drank foga's um pinot grigio mm-hmm. and that was like drinking water right and yeah. so <laughs> i'm like yeah and so like it was like a little bit of kick to it you know what i mean and right. so like but like in terms of smoothness like this kind of like is 
as close to that as I have gotten so far. Right. It's, it is just so good. I couldn't agree more. And it's, I know people like red and like the cold weather and like rose in the summer. I think you could drink this all year. I think this would be pleasant anytime. Yeah. Like I see myself drinking this outside in the summer. I could also like be next to the fire drinking it. It's just so good. Yeah, I agree there. And I'm definitely with you there. I definitely, I like, um, you know, as everyone knows who in this podcast, like I am a red drinker through and through. Mm-hmm. Like I reserve my rights and my rosés for the summer. I'm that girl. Right. Yeah, um, exactly. Like, yeah. I also, so, so I, but, uh, but, you know, the, the weather's getting a little bit warmer and I could definitely, I could see myself, you know, sitting out on a little porchy porch. Yeah. You know, drinking, drinking a little conundrum. Yeah, definitely. I mean, now that, you help me find where they sell it in Albany, which is a huge place, obviously. So I don't know why I didn't look there first. I'll definitely have to check out more of them. Like, so good. Well, what do you say we get back to Shelly because things are about to get crazy? Let's do it. Who knew they could get crazier? Oh, it sure can. <laughs> so in November of 2006, our, like, lovely Hollywood couple, Tom Cruise and Katie Holmes, tie the knot together. David, who is evidently, like, the best of friends with Tom Cruise, is even the best man at the wedding. The wedding represents the union of true Scientology royalty, literally taking place at a 15th century castle castle in the mountains of Italy. It is what you would imagine as this extravagant wedding, but most of all, anyone who's anyone in Scientology and also in Hollywood is there, except for one person, and that is Shelley Miscavige. Leah Remini, who is best known for her supporting role on King of Queens, said in her documentary and in her book, Troublemaker, that she asked multiple different people, you know, casually, nothing probing about, you know, where Shelly was. You know, totally normal question. You don't see your friend at a wedding. You're like, where is she? Right. To which she said they had reportedly replied, quote, you don't have the fucking rank to ask about Shelly. I mean, pardon me? You know, I feel like that's an extremely <laughs> innocent question. Um, yeah. Especially if her husband is the best man. And I don't know if you could remind me. So this is in 2006. And when was the mm-hmm. cruise that they went on? So that was in June of 2006. This is November of 2006. Same year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just okay. a couple months later. And so, yeah. And so it's just like, you know, and I don't really think that they're like best, like Shelly and Leah are best of friends by any means. Right. But like, they certainly know each other. You know what I mean? Like she's high up in the, in Scientology. Right. So is Leah. And so it's this kind of like natural thing to be like, okay, well, David is there. And where, but Shelly isn't like why? Why is that? Right. I mean, I feel like that would be a natural question, even if someone wasn't close with the couple. You know, this guy is the yeah. best man, and his wife is not the yeah. wedding at all. You know. Yeah, and it also kind of, I mean, I don't know, and at this point, like, you can tell, like, just based on the kind of how Leah describes this whole thing, like, maybe, like, she was trying to, like, you know, starting to side-eye things a little bit in the church kind Mm -hmm. of situation, so, like, maybe they did see this as maybe another one of her prying questions, sure, right? but... I don't like. I don't know. It just it feels like a very like weird way to be like to be like, hey, where's 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 your friend? You be like, you don't have the fucking rank to ask about her. Like, oh, okay, sorry. Right, and it's not like it was accusatory or anything. Asking where someone is yeah. is you know, 
Pretty not yeah. non-combative. <laughs> yeah, no, not at all. Well, obviously, you know, this does not sit well with Leah at all, and she still isn't seeing Shelly make her usual public appearances alongside David. And so Leah continues to ask about Shelly, but there was always some excuse. She was in a meeting, she was on a special project, or was visiting a relative somewhere. Shelly did make one other public appearance in August of 2007 when she was photographed by the press being escorted to her father's funeral. But that was the last time anyone has ever seen Shelly Miscavige in public. Leah says that for the remaining time, she was an official Scientology member. She was subject to intense interrogations and thought modification experiments after she would question David's rule and ask about Shelly's whereabouts. By 2013, when she hadn't seen Shelly for herself for eight years, she decides she is going to leave Scientology, and so she does. But immediately after her successful exit from the church, her very first goal is to find Shelly. I mean, she has tunnel vision. And so in August, she files a missing persons report with the Los Angeles Police Department. Along with it, Leah hands the detective a letter to give to Shelly if they are able to find her safe and sound. And Kira, I'm hoping that you're able to read it for us. Dear Shelly, it is not normal for you to be so out of communication. It is not normal for you to not be with your husband at the wedding. For years, I have been trying to get confirmation that you were okay. I was met with such resistance that it has caused me enough concern to go to extreme measures to make sure you were in fact okay. My letters were not sent to you, and I was told that I, quote, did not have the fucking rank to ask about Shelly, quote. This is not human. Shelly, this is not right. I don't care what you think you are doing. This is not LRH, and you need to do something about it. You need to go with this gentleman now. I will take care of you. I will give you a home and the protection you need. From there, you can do what you need to do, but you need to leave right now. Do not worry about clothes, money, lawyers, and what this will do. This will all get worked out later. All you need to say to this person who has come to get you is, quote, I want to leave with you now, quote. If you don't do it now, you probably won't have another chance to get out. So I beg you to take this step for you. It is the right thing to do. Leah. Okay, so I have a lot of thoughts here, Kira, but I want you to go first. I mean, it's just so sad. You can, like, clearly tell, like, the desperation that she feels. This woman that she Mm -hmm. was seemingly probably close with and cares about and hasn't seen in years. It's, It's just so devastating. I can't imagine being in her shoes, you know? Yeah, and, you know, it's almost written, too, like, she knows that she's alive somewhere, you know what I mean? Like, you know, and it's Mm -hmm. like, you, like... Like, she knows what's up. Yeah, like, she knows she's, she feels like she's being held captive somewhere, and, like, like, Mm -hmm. I I don't even want to say feels, like, it it feels like she, like, she knows that, you know what I mean? Like, it feels so matter-of-fact, where it's like, you know, here's the, um, you know, here's this letter, give it to her, and it's written in a way that's, like, you know, not, like, if, you know, if this gets to you, if you can hear me like no yeah if you're in danger yeah right oh my gosh but also so there was like there was one thing that i like need to like you know i like it like racked my brain like when i was trying to um read about this um is Mm -hmm. so there's that line right in the middle it says shelly this is not right i do not i don't care what you think you are doing this is not lrh and I'm like, I was like, okay, who's LRH? And then I was like, who's LRH? And then I was like, that's literally the initials of L. Ron Hubbard, the f- founder of Scientology. And so I'm like, okay, like, hold on. Oh. And I'm like, 
like there, my thought went in so like what are your thoughts on that and like i'll tell you my thoughts after this is not you see i breezed right by that and i meant to ask you mm. like what does that mean so now i don't care what you think you're doing this is not lrh i mean if she's saying you know like this is not this is not what it was I th- like this is not the Scientology that it's supposed to be. Maybe I mean I read it as like this is not like f- like like Ron like L. Ron Hubbard is not like physically writing this letter, like this like he's not the person who gave it the letter. Oh. So I'm like okay, so like are we like assuming that he's still alive or like do people know like inside oh. the church that he's still alive and they're just like keeping it secret at this point? Oh, that's so interesting that I that's not even crossed my mind. Yeah. Well, I mean that's the way I mean I don't know I could be wrong. Like no, right, this was yeah. never. Okay, we'll probably never know. Yeah, like this was never explained. Like never from anything I read about this, never probed upon. But I was like, okay, you're saying right. that this is not him. Like, but he's dead. Like, and so I'm like, I don't. Oh, and like, gosh. so and I have so many other thoughts about that. We'll get to that though, all the way at the bottom of the episode because there's so there's another part of this I need to talk about, and that ties right back into it. But I was just like, whoa, right? I did not understand. He would have been 102 years old. Okay. So he, because he was born in 1911, so he would have been 102 years old in 2013. But, uh, but mm-hmm. the, but the church says that you that um that you live forever. So keep wow. that in mind. So I mean, I mean, maybe maybe Leah doesn't know. Maybe Leah know. Like my like um like rationale goes to maybe Leah doesn't know. Uh, or knows that mm-hmm. that Ron is actually dead because she's like come to, but like is trying to say to Shelley, who like maybe still thinks that he may still be alive. Uh, yeah, yeah. Or maybe I. I mean, I realize this might sound so silly. Is is it like a thing where they think someone who has you know, quote unquote, passed like would have the capabilities of writing someone a letter? You know, like yeah. it, it, is that part of something they might believe in if they think they're you know immortal and things like that? I mean, it's possible. I mean, if they think they're aliens, like, you know, who, who knows? Like, right. They write the letter, you know, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, that letter really, like, got to me. I was like, okay. Like. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. Well, so just a few hours later, Leah says that she found out in the media some good news. At least on the surface, anyways. They had found Shelly safe and sound. She wasn't missing at all. Right? Case closed. I mean, it's pretty convenient. It was a couple hours after she was asking that she finds out this information. Yeah, well, and so maybe Leah is initially kind of relieved about this news, but evidently a little skeptical of it, because she calls up the detective who filed the missing persons report and asked if they had spoken to Shelley themselves, and they responded saying that that information was, quote, classified. I mean... You would like to think that if you filed a missing persons report and the person was found out to be okay, the detective would let you know. That's yeah, kind of like crazy to be told that it's classified. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine like like you know being so like the person who's close enough to the person, presumably, anyways, right? Who um mm-hmm. you know is filing a missing persons, you know, worried about them enough to file a missing persons report. Like you're not even going to tell them. Like they don't even reach that level of classification classification yeah i mean it makes you think too it's like we know that people in hollywood and things like that are so connected to scientology Mm. but it's like you know who else did they have what other institutions or organizations that they have kind of under their spell almost you know i don't i don't know well you want to find out (laughs) 
I, I would love to find out. Okay. <laughs> well, Leah was told that if she wanted to know the information that she was asking for, that she would need to file public records requests. So she did. She spent $50,000 in attorney's fees, all to try and scratch at the surface of the question that she's been asking. Where's Shelly? But all of those public records requests were denied, and maybe that would come as a surprise to you, but it doesn't come as one to Leah. That's because she is well aware of the deep ties the church has with the Los Angeles Police Department, specifically with the unit Leah was dealing with at this point. In 2016, as Leah discussed on social media and in her docuseries on her experiences in Scientology, the captain of the police department is photographed accepting a $20,000 check as a donation from the church to the department. The church and officers have a pretty close connection. They would often hire off-duty officers as security guards, and the church would often donate to charities supporting the police department. Yeah, so that was exactly what I was afraid you were going to say, and that's kind of what I've suspected all along, even since, you know, that first woman passed away, and then Shelly's mom, and... Mm -hmm. uh, Gosh. Yeah. Well, I mean, how do you you defeat that? You know what I mean? It's like... And and it's right. like, you know, you're clearly up against this this cult-like organization that, like, you know, pretty much, you know, without saying the words, like, next to openly admits um, that they brainwash people. And so, then, right. you know, then you're trying to get the police department to investigate them, like... Uh, There's no winning. Yeah. No winning. Yeah. So, yeah, Leah was fighting an uphill battle. And, like, you know, I guess good for her for, like, you know, like, realizing it, I suppose. Because, like, you know, she'd clearly come to Mm -hmm. at this point. But, man, yeah, that just, that didn't feel right. So, yeah, I mean, Leah had no reason to believe that the department was going to be of any help to her in finding out where Shelly is. And that's when Leah writes a book and comes out with several docuseries with the sole mission of shining a light on the practices of the church and finally revealing where Shelly is for good. Right before an episode of Leah's docuseries was meant to air that would have focused solely on Shelly's disappearance, the church releases a statement calling Leah a, quote, foaming anti-Scientologist. The statement continues saying that Shelly had called Leah's repeated attempts at trying to contact her abusive. The church even calls for Leah to be prosecuted for knowingly filing a false missing persons report. I mean, that's just insane. Mm. And... It's just insane. And, like, the statement saying Shelly calls it abusive, as if anyone's going to believe that Shelly wasn't part of that at all, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's just is odd. And, like, again, like, kind of what we're going back to before, you know, when, when they're like, yeah, prosecute her, it's like... Like, mm. how scary is that? You know, I mean, sh- I'm sure she, like, kind of knew that that was what was going to come. Um, but right. it's like, you know, you're up against, you know, like, the people who are going to be doing that are the pe- are the same people who, who are accepting money from them and, like, you know, refu- and, like, not giving you any sort of information. And so, yeah, that's really scary. Right. But then also, too, you know, kind of what you were saying before about, like, you know, like, like all this stuff. Like, it feels like if if she's asking all these questions... And, like, you know, like, just let Shelly answer for herself. Like, if, if it's truly mm-hmm. exactly what you're saying, that, like, she really just wants to be left alone and everything's fine. Okay, let us see Shelly. Like, for like for two seconds, let us see Shelly. Tell her to speak her piece. And then this whole thing goes right. away. And that's the end of your problem. Exactly. Exactly. Feels like an easy enough solution, you know, to... 
an outsider looking in. You know, if you're so upset with Leah asking, let Shelly call her up on the phone. You yeah, know? right. And it's like that would like again, like you said, like that would be the end of it. That would be, you know, right. and it's like, instead that would be of, that. yeah, instead of like all these like written statements that like literally anybody in the internet could write, like they were like, if you look at them, they were like literally written on a Google Doc. Um, and so right. it's like, it's like, okay, <laughs> like I, like, I don't, like, who, like, why do I, like, why do you expect me to believe that like this is actually what, exactly. you know, especially when there's so much shadow around it to begin with, you know what I mean? It just, right. it feels like, again, it feels like the most, like the, like the best, your best, you know, way to, you know, shut this whole thing down is just, you know, give them what they want for two seconds and then we'll be good. Right, right. It feels so easy, but... Yeah. Well, so Leah is not the only person searching for Shelly either. Former members of the church are worried about her too at this point, and they have some theories as to where she may be. Former members of the church believe Shelley may be at a compound of the church's Spiritual Technology Corporation near San Bernardino, California. It's a remote forest compound with prison-like security. Now, based on what we know about Shelley's case, it's really unclear whether she is living there voluntarily or is being held against her will, again, according to these former members' theories. We don't know a whole lot about this compound. But an anti-Scientology protester is known to be a bit of a nuisance to the church and actually showed up several times with cameras asking questions about where Shelley is. His name is, yes, the Angry Gay Pope. Laugh about it for a second. Come back to me. And he has posted dozens of pictures and videos of this compound and his interactions with the people who work here. And so, Kira, I'm going to send you some pictures of what he posted of the compound. Um, okay, yeah, if you go to, like, kind of, like, the middle, there should be, like, a little thing that says, like, outward-facing ultra barrier is what it's called. Oh, yes. hmm So, um, so, yeah, so if you open those, you'll see, like, you see the fence? Yeah. The spikes? <laughs> yeah. So, what do you think of that? <laughs> I mean, it's, like, one of those things you're questioning, are they trying to keep people out or trying to keep people in type of thing? Yeah, so that's exactly the, you know, question that, you know, a lot of people raise about this whole thing. So, like, basically, mm-hmm. just to kind of describe it for everyone listening, and, like, you can go, like, we're going to link this on our website, too, so you can see this for yourself. But it's, this is kind of, like, odd, like, it's a very normal metal, you know, fence, you know, with, like, you know, it, it looks like actually maybe even the top of, and correct me if I, if you think, I just, if you disagree with this, Kira, but, like, the mm-hmm. top of the fences look like they may have been like shaved or like you know filed down or melted or somehow into spikes themselves yeah actually i agree with you that's such a good call it does look like they were kind of like melted or something like that like kind yeah of... like that's not like the normal shape so that is kind right. of odd but then so then like at the base of 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 that um like there's like a little bar that goes across like maybe like a like um like a foot down from the top of these spikes um and resting on top of those are these little spikes that come out and they're facing kind of like what kira was was um, kind of talking about before facing 
into the the compound. So like, you know, typically mm-hmm. you think of like fences as keeping stuff out, you know, animals, intruders, that kind of thing. But like this is, you know, there's not even spikes going to the outside. There's only spikes going, you know, facing inside toward the compound. Yeah. So like you said, like, are they trying to keep people out of the compound or are they trying to keep people from escaping the compound? Right. It's just, some of these are just so jarring i mean the front gate lady behind bulletproof glass like why you know (laughs) yeah right yeah i mean and i would imagine it like again at this point especially i mean probably this guy alone is probably like you know um you know um what's it called it's like you know threatened this place a couple times but um yeah i'm sure that there are like security you know concerns i suppose but mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it, it looks like a little campground, but then like, yeah. this, like high security, like it looks like camp. You know what I mean? Like log cabins. Right. Right. <laughs> but then, Crazy. you know, there are these like spike, spike fences and it's like, okay. And there's like this giant propane tank. Oh yeah. Giant propane tank for use after World War II. What? Yeah. And like, that's, that's definitely him like editorializing. I like can't imagine that he knows right, a lot yeah. about <laughs> propane tanks. Um, but like, it's still, like, an odd thing, because it's, like, why do you need that much propane? It's, like, very, like, end-of-the-world-y. Yeah, know? right, right, exactly. And it's, it's like, it's like so that way you never have to go get gas ever again. Nobody ever has to come onto the property to um, to give you mm-hmm. gas. Again, probably at least for the next, like, ten years or whatever. You know what I mean? Right. So, oh, my goodness. Yeah, you know, again, assuming that they're using it for just, like, you know, regular operations. But, yeah, like you said, that looks like it's like, okay, if the world ends and we can't get get gas anymore, like, we'll have, like, a 10-year supply of it. Like, we'll be fine. Right. Oh, my goodness. Crazy. These are so spooky to look at. It is, yeah. And, like, again, like, just for this tank, again, too, like, you know, this is, like, just for people listening, like, this is literally what, like, you see people, like, or, or what you see, like, tractor trailers, like, you know, like, riding around in, like, in, in terms of size. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, like, just picture that, and, like, it's literally just for this one compound. I'm like, okay? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So... You know, Shelly has four or five beagles with David, and friends and family of theirs say Shelly loved those dogs so much, and they are actually still living at their home. So they make the argument that that is evidence enough to suggest that Shelly is not living in this compound voluntarily, if she is indeed living there. Others believe, though, that she may be being held at a much more dangerous location. Former members have also said that they believe she may be living at what's called The Hole. It's a prison facility about an hour south of the compound that I that we were just talking about. Now, this isn't a typical prison, right? It's a Scientology prison known to be used for defectors and people who commit crimes against the church. The Tampa Bay Times described the facility as having degrading conditions and harsh punishments where members intimidate each other by forcing each other um, to confess to things that they have not done. I mean, it's crazy to think that, you know, people are speculating that Shelly is there. Meanwhile, she's the wife of the leader of the church, you know, is no one safe from... this type of treatment and stuff, you know? Yeah, I mean, I guess not. But also, you know, think back to, like, what was happening right before this where she was kind of rebelling a little bit, you know, like, hi- like right. you know, doing things on her own, like, against her husband's wishes kind of thing. So it's like, like, maybe she was defecting, you know, a little bit, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, that doesn't, that sounds right, I suppose. I don't know. Yeah, I, it's just, 
it's just so scary. I mean, to have a prison, you know, for a religion, it just feels so crazy. I don't, I don't even know what other word to use to describe it. Yeah. It's just, this is just all so insane. Well, yeah. And so this is all, you know, kind of like, um, you know, secondhand kind of knowledge, you know, like it's all like former members mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. But like it was published by, you know, again, the Tampa Bay Times. So it's like, you know, I, I put a little bit of credit into that from that perspective, you know, a little bit more so than, right. you know, um, the Angry Gay Pope, like, you know, Tampa Bay Times, you know, it's Angry Pope, you know, right. yeah. So, um, but like mm-hmm. still, like, I don't know. It's just, it's very, it's all very odd. It's all, and it's, you know, mixed in with the fact of like, okay, well, where is Shelly? And like, you know, nobody is really saying where Shelly is and we haven't really heard from her. Yeah. So. And it's like also too, like, um, how you were saying, like a lot of it is not hearsay, but like not speculation. It's not, you know, totally confirmed, but it's like some mm. of this stuff is so crazy. It's like, how could it even be? made up you know <laughs> like yeah could, so true you know what i mean that like, there has to be some truth to a lot of this if you know it's not totally verified well and like why like why would why would it be made up you know like that's that's a great point. exactly yeah. yeah yeah well i think there is exactly one person who could probably tell us where shelly is and probably has the means to end this mystery once and for all and that person is none other than David Miscavige. But there are two problems with that. One, he clearly does not have any interest in ending this big charade, if that's how people want to think about this. I mean, he could have talked about this years ago and, like, you know, put this all to bed. Clearly, he's not interested in doing that. And two, David himself has been missing for years. What do you mean? Well, so remember when I told you about the supposed children's servants on the Freewinds, that cruise ship? Yeah. Well, they ended up suing the church and David for their alleged actions. Three former members said they were forced into the church as kids and worked into adulthood with almost no pay. They worked on the boat and were forced to sign a contract to work for the church for one billion years. They said their working conditions were horrible, citing abuse and poor living situations and tried to leave the church several times and evidently were eventually um, successful as adults. The Tampa Bay Times reported that service agents tried to serve David with the lawsuit several times in California and also in Florida, but they were unable to. Former members believe that David did what Ron did when he came under legal pressure toward the end of his tenure as leader. He supposedly locked himself in a home in Northern California surrounded by security until he died, or at least until the church was able to convince the world that he did. Whoa. So people are under the understanding that he is perhaps deceased or is definitely deceased or he's just in hiding. Like, whoa. I don't know, Kira. Yeah. I mean, your guess is probably as good as mine. It probably, I mean, it sounds like maybe kind of like maybe a little bit of both, like, you know, maybe, you know, hiding out somewhere, um, you know, maybe mm-hmm. maybe with Shelly, you know, and be surrounded by a bunch of security guards right. as possible. Um, you know, and just kind of like waiting out his death because, like, he knows his kind of like his his uh, power has waned. Mm-hmm. I mean, consider that. Yeah. But like, also, like, you know, so it makes me like that's when like my mind kind of went with like what we we're talking about before about Ron, where I was like. Okay, like if if this is like like because when I read this, I was like, wait, so like nobody really knows for sure if he's dead. Like that's kind of what the way I'm reading into this with Ron, and so yeah. I'm like, okay, well, what if he did kind of just like live out the re- the remainder of his life? 
You know what I mean? Like somewhere and like, mm-hmm. you know, and then we're eventually they're just like, yep, he's dead. Like, so that way we could like move on with our church. But like, really, he was just like chilling in the basement. Yeah. I mean, we saw in those photos. I They clearly have the means to keep people extremely oh, yeah. hidden. So I feel like anything is so possible. Yeah. I mean, this is so frustrating because I just know we're never going to nope. know exactly the answers to all the questions nope. and it's going to keep you up at night. No, I know. And listen, oh I hear I, listen, I hear you all, you know, moaning and groaning, you know, uh, listening to this episode <laughs> because you hate when I leave you on a cliffhanger, but like, get used to it because like, we're never going to know what the heck's going to happen here. So... Yeah, man. Yeah, it's such, and it's so frustrating too because it feels like there's like such a small group of people that know every all the questions mm-hmm. that we have, and I'm like, just tell mm-hmm. us, like, just tell us, write a book, like write a book, I'll read it. Right. I've even wondered. I mean, I think what Leah Remini has done is like just so brave, and I really, oh yeah, I I think I I can't imagine what she's gone through, but even her, it's like, what else does she know that she's just too afraid to say? Yeah, for, like fear of her life, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, because I mean, she she never like really. T- I mean, again, I didn't re- watch the entire docu series, did not read the book, but like, it seems like, um, you know, like she's clearly alluding to something with Ron. You know what I mean? So it's like, okay, right. well, maybe like. So point being is like, so if she's alluding to that, then like maybe there are other things, like other secrets that she does know that we will exactly. simply never know about. Yeah. Right. Ugh. Gives me chills. Yeah. Yeah, well, so Shelley's disappearance has been gaining steam over the last few years, especially in Hollywood. It's been mostly sparked by the release of Leah's docuseries, like we were just talking about. Just this past January, several celebrities spoke at the Golden Globes and ended their speech with the question that we're all asking— Where's Shelly? Now, I had to ask the question and dive into this theory as well. Is Shelly Miscavige dead? Well, there isn't any evidence to suggest that is true at all, but is it a possibility? Sure, but there have been some, you know, kind of speculative reported sightings of her over the last few years, but nothing super concrete. So I guess I'm just wondering, Kira, what do you think about that theory? Like, do you think that Shelley could just be dead and like, we're all just kind of, you know, waiting for that? I mean, I want so badly for her to be alive, obviously. I would be so curious to know like who has spotted her you know is it people that are involved saying oh i've seen her or is it you know people from the outside that are like oh i saw her so you know? from what i've been able to gather it's mostly just like internet sleuths kind of thing so like take that okay yeah it, it's cr- it would be crazy to think that a person that so many people are desperate to find mm-hmm. could stay hidden for so long which would like sadly lead me to think like maybe she's she has been dead for years yeah you know i well, Which I just don't want that to be the truth, obviously, but it's just crazy. Yeah, and, like, there's no evidence to it at all, like I said. But, you know, I think that is the only logical explanation as to, like, why, like, like nobody's making her available. Right. No, it's crazy. Like like we said, like, so much earlier, there could could be such an easy solution to this. Yeah. Like, just, just show us Shelly, you know? Show us Shelly. Show us Shelly. Well, let us see her. Yeah. Well, like I said, we'll probably never know what happened with Shelly. I'm so sorry to listen to this whole episode thinking that we were going to tell you, you know, exactly what happened and it was going to be <laughs> a huge, like, miraculous moment. You were wrong. Um, I wish I had that moment too, but nope, we're not going to do mm-hmm. that. Um, but, you know, tell us what you think. Go on Facebook, go on our Instagram page, go on our Twitter pages and write us in. Tell us what you actually think happened. Give us your thoughts, give us your feelings. And, you know, with that being said, that is all that we have for you this week. So, Kira, thank you so much for coming on and talking about this case with us. It was great seeing you. 
Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for having me. I, it's like always been a dream to be on a podcast, but <laughs> the opportunity has clearly just never, <laughs> never presented itself. So I'm so happy to do this with you. I'm so proud of you. Like this podcast you have going is so great in so oh, many ways in every well, way. So I'm so happy for you. Just like in high school, you know, when I made your dreams come true at prom, I make your dreams come true right here <laughs> to like make your podcast dreams yes. come true. So, but seriously. I love that for me. Seriously, thank you so much for doing this. And it's been, it was absolute pleasure having you on and just talking with you like to chatting so of course of course thank you for having me well tell everyone where they can find you and your work online if you'd like to i you can follow me on instagram and twitter as previously discussed at the beginning <laughs> of the episode i'm zebras <laughs> eight um it's mostly just silliness but if anyone wanted to connect about public service working in government new york state government specifically totally add me on linkedin kira breslin c-i-a-r-a breslin um yeah i'd love to connect well thank you again so much for coming on this week here and thank you all so much for listening we are going to put all of our sources on our website so you can read everything for yourself and probably come up with a few theories too and if you are enjoying this podcast and are just wondering how you can tell anyone and everyone about it the best way to help people find this podcast is by leaving us a five-star review wherever you are listening right now Make sure you follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and we will see you next week for another episode of Crime Over Wine. Proud member of the Podnuga Network.